You're listening to Inside the Outdoors, presented by People for Bikes and the Outdoor Industry Association, where we discuss the latest market trends in outdoor recreation. And now, here are your hosts, Kelly Davis and Patrick Hogan. Hey everyone, welcome to this week's episode of Inside the Outdoors. I'm your host, Patrick Hogan. In this episode, Kelly and I discuss e-commerce trends that emerged during the COVID-19 pandemic and assess which trends have been sticky. Why have some e-commerce trends stuck around? Why did some trends stick while others did not? What can brands and retailers do to learn from segments of e-commerce customers who are conducting research and making purchases online? Let's get into it. E-com. Let's talk e-com. E-com. Yeah. Let's do it online. Let's sell something online. I'll tell you what, um, you might not know from the recording, but Kelly and I are not in the same spot. I I am in Denver, Colorado. And Kelly, give us your exact home address. (laughs) <laughs> that's pretty funny i'm in connecticut <laughs> i'm in maryland i live in frederick yeah. maryland you know like i i guess I, I bring that up just to say this that doing business online was something that surged during the pandemic and it's something that's here to stay to some degree so let's talk about the stickiness of e-commerce and um you know like we we know that uh brick and mortar establishments took a hit early in the pandemic as social distancing and stay-at-home guidelines or stay-at-home regulations were uh, were put in place across the U.S. And People for Bikes worked really hard to get bicycle shops identified as an essential business so that they could stay open and they could serve the needs of folks who are using their bike to transport themselves across the city or using their bike to maintain their mental health and their physical health and uh, connect with their community again. In that time, e-commerce soared as, as brick and mortar was limited. What's happened since then? It's it's actually it after that initial surge and I, I'm looking, you can't see my eyes, but I'm looking at the data surge for just about every category from apparel down to groceries. As as we moved through the three years since we were introduced to the COVID-19 virus, it 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 did decline and then push back up a bit. And I can, we can look at that category by category and it stayed relatively high, especially relative um, to what was going on with, with e-com prior to the pandemic. So it's yeah. not just that, you know, we had a whole bunch of companies that started doing direct to consumer. It was, it's basically the consumers are staying online, you know, to do, to do a lot of their shopping. And that's particularly true of apparel. I mean, right now we've yeah. got consumer, consumer perception data indicates that about 40% of apparel shopping is done exclusively online. Interesting. I, I can say from my end of one observation, I find an item of clothing that I like and I buy the same doggone thing online when it wears out or when I need it in another color. I've been wearing Levi's 512 skinny tapered jeans or something like that for years and years and years. And I don't need to go to a Levi's store to try them on. I know exactly how they're going to fit me. I don't change size and buy the same thing. Interesting that you identified apparel as the category or as the market that has the greatest e-commerce participation. Yeah. Another important note just to add here is that, you know, when we're considering the pandemic trends that have stuck, a lot of it has to do with convenience, you know, like e-commerce sort of met us where we were in the pandemic. And if I can just pay an extra few dollars for DoorDash to bring my delicious Indian food right to my doorstep instead of having to go out. Why in the world would I leave my home? Um, 
the 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 innovation during the pandemic that allowed e-commerce to flourish in that in that time has stuck and of course if i found a more convenient solution like making a purchase with with confidence from my home i'm going to i'm going to continue to um make purchases in that manner post pandemic when i do even have the ability to go visit that brick and mortar establishment yeah I, there's a pretty good a, a segment i've been thinking of that i'd probably put you in but yeah it it's it's interesting to see that you know once consumer behavior shifts it's very difficult to deconstruct and so you know the the various industry gurus and prophets who are talking about you know brick and mortar retail coming back so strong yeah that doesn't yeah. mean that e, that that ecom is going to take a major hit and you know the companies that started direct to consumer will continue to sell direct to consumer we're not going to deconstruct on that either so e-commerce you know I've been saying this it seems amazing that I've been saying this for about 25 years now but e-com is here to stay and it's only going to grow and, <laughs> right um it's worth repeating them the e-com is going to stay. Like, I think if you woke me up at two in the morning, like, e-com's going to stay. Yeah. <laughs> but it's it's consumer perception. So consumers who learn that they could order reliably online, and if mm-hmm. something didn't fit or something didn't work, that returns would be relatively easy. Um, got used to that and said, "This is this is how I shop now." And and change is difficult for everybody. And once you've gone through the trouble you know, that we all were forced to go through because of the pandemic, you know, a lot of people don't want to go through that trouble again. They're not going to deconstruct. They're not going back to just every time they need something running to the store. So, I mean, looking at what people buy and I feel comfortable buying online and normally, I mean, typically buy online, we've got apparel, we've got footwear and that's, that runs right around between, between around 40% and footwear is not that high, but apparel is about 40% of of consumers say they're buying about 40% of their apparel and about 30% of their footwear online okay. now, which is pretty amazing. But then you go down the list and and you get some more expensive sort of hard gear items. Like, you know, when you get into something that that's a little bit more expensive and is a little bit more specialized, like for instance, a bike, maybe. Yeah. Um, that, that, that is, that's where consumers are, are drifting back into retail to touch feel and try, you know, before they buy. Um, looking down the list, what are the what are the biggest variations from the the really the we'll just call it the worst part of the pandemic? Let's say summer of 2020, mm-hmm. before vaccinations were available, online grocery shopping was was just huge because you know we yeah. it was very it, was, it seemed dangerous if, if you remember. I mean, oh, for I sure. remember I remember spraying down my groceries. I got a little spray bottle yeah. and isopropyl rubbing alcohol, and I was like spraying down yeah. my stuff. Um, my dad is a uh, my dad's a PhD chemist up here in Colorado, so he, he didn't live too far from me. And in the the first few weeks of the pandemic, he brought me all of the supplies that I would need to to create sanitizers myself. <laughs> and and uh, if if like we ever ran out of sanitizer, we could always use this mixture of uh, it, it was like Everclear, like <laughs> and and something else. I forget exactly what it was, but he was I'm like, just "Hey, wondering- don't, don't drink this. This is you know." Shit's disgusting, but if you need to if you need to sanitize your hands, you can mix this with something else, and it creates a, a pretty effective sanitizer, which is awful when you think about actually drinking it. <laughs> I mean, fraternity parties across the nation, you know, are, are weeping at the prospect of of not using Everclear anymore. I don't 
I don't know what the problem is, Patrick. I don't know what your problem is. Yeah, that's what they uh, that's what they say every time. But so, you know, we went from that and grocery shopping is the one that had the biggest variance because it went from about 70 percent all the way down to 13 percent today. So and that's a trend. Honestly, I was wrong about I thought that might stick, too, because I thought people didn't like to go to the grocery store. And it turns out that they super do. And they bring and mm-hmm. now they're bringing their family and it's a whole big entertainment exercise. And I think grocery stores might change, you know, to accommodate that. But, you know, online online shopping for a variety of things has has now stabilized at a level well above where it was. Well, so let's pandemic. let me ask you this. Has some increase in e-commerce and in like online grocery shopping stuck since the pandemic? Like, did, did we return to pre-pandemic or have we met? No, somewhere? we're above it. No, yeah, we're above yeah, yeah. it. Well, I think, sure, I did online grocery shopping during the height of the pandemic. But I, uh, you just sort of described me a second ago. Like, I do pick up my daughter for my in-laws where where she hangs out during the day. And then she and I go to the grocery store and I push her on the cart. And she points at things and I tell her what that is. And then we uh, hang out for 10 minutes. She waves at her best friend, the security guard by the door, who makes sure you're not stealing groceries. And we, we boogie on home. Like, yeah, there is some stickiness and there is some return to the pre-pandemic. But the fact that other audiences and, and, and by other, I'm saying like not me, because I, I haven't stayed in that online grocery segment ha- have stuck as a, as a testament to just innovation, meeting folks where they were during the pandemic and identifying new ways to engage with your customers. And, and um, sure, there's some return to the brick and mortar, but the fact that that e-commerce group has been identified as like a new sort of segment means that we need to keep driving innovation forward there. And like you said, e-commerce is here to stay. So you you have to like not return to the pre-pandemic playbook, but continue to drive innovation, continue to make that customer experience better and continue to to make sure that you're addressing both audiences at the same time, if that's how you're operating it, both brick and mortar and e-commerce. Yeah. I mean, if I had one message for today, it's, it's there's no deconstruction. You cannot go back in time yeah. and things, things are going to be magically just like they were before. Um, in the before times. And in many ways, that's that's unfortunate for people who are deciding that their strategy is going to be just, let's just go revisit our 2018 strategy. We should be fine. I think the most interesting aspect of e-com during and post-pandemic is direct-to-consumer. The number of brands that yeah. have started to directly engage their customer. And I'll tell you, I don't know, I don't know about you, but I get calls every day for segmentation. And, you know, mm-hmm. oh, I did a the consumer view. Really, I think it was back in about 2015 that we came out with the initial product, consumer view. And I'm looking at those segments and they they need to be updated. But you mentioned, you said specifically this new e-commerce segment. Um, <laughs> I No, I think yeah. it's really important to think about, about, about segments. And we're talking about segments. This is basically for the layperson. You're, you're basically putting consumers in buckets and then putting them in progressively more and more subdivided buckets to try and and get more information about them. And this is where, you know, this is where Facebook and even TikTok get into trouble is that they can build a really reliable picture of who you are and what you like enough, enough so they can recreate you in the metaverse and it would act in 99% of, of cases exactly like you. That should scare the the bejesus out of everybody. It does. Thank you. (laughs) <laughs> Any anytime, but you know the important thing is, and is when we when we're talking about e-commerce, 
and we're talking about direct to consumer, the important thing is really understanding who your consumer is and, you know, what will yeah. motivate them to buy, you know, what attracts them to your brand, why they might stick with your brand. I mean, this is, this is, we're entering an age in which understanding the consumer is the key to winning in the market is the, the key to so huge. competition. And, you know, somebody said, well, you know, I don't buy that. I know who my consumer is. I know what's going on. You know, we are consumers. And, you know, if you get into, if you get into a bubble like that, yeah. you know, eventually you begin excluding a lot of people from, oh, from without a doubt. Right. And you don't know them. You have no idea who they are because apparently you don't care. And eventually the message that you don't care is going to come out of not knowing who you're selling to or only believing that you're selling to a really, really specific small group of people that agree with yeah. everything you say, which happens yeah. all the time. I mean, it's this is, it's really hard to sort of open your aperture and recognize that the world is a really, really varied place, that it's super mm -hmm. diverse. And the more diverse it is, the better. The more diverse your, your customer base is, the better. And in order to attract new consumers who don't look like you, who don't talk like you, yeah, who might not yeah. consume the experience that you're you're selling a product into the same way you do, is going to be the key to a healthy bottom line now and, and, yes. and, and well into the future. Yes. I think if you were to wake me up in the middle of the night and ask me a question, my answer would be, expand who you think your customers are learn about them and then meet their needs you know like selling to the same customers is not going to yield any growth at all it's it's you'll you'll just slowly winnow down your customer base until it's like just you if, if you don't expand your view of your potential um but identifying new areas of growth with the understanding that they might look different from you is huge that's that's the only way to grow I, I'm thinking of a friend who I saw over the weekend who described this funny shop that he went to in, in a Colorado town here. And it was like um, punk rock t-shirts, Batman action figures, and like some obscure food item. I, I, I don't want to give up everything because you might be able to find it. But it was like clearly the owner of the shop, and it was like relatively new, the owner of the shop just imagines themselves as the customers like i like these three things and everyone else must like these that's absolutely not the case right and and if you spend some time figuring out who your customers are what they want you'll begin to understand how you can go beyond your understanding of the experience to meet their experience and then sell them uh what, whatever your product or your service may be and, and yeah, yeah. I, i'm sure we've said some variation of that in every dog on podcast just about but it's it's important well, segmentation's super hot right now, Patrick. So, <laughs> I love, yeah, we. I, I think a couple episodes ago <laughs> is when we recorded that segmentation podcast, and it was probably the highest energy podcast that we'd recorded because you and I enjoy doing that work so much, and we understand the value, the power that that has. And in, in ecom, it's it's even more important because you are not meeting face to face with your customer. They are not right. walking through a door. They're not shaking your hand. You know, they're, they're, you're, you're not patting them on the back while you show them, you know, the $10,000 bike that they're interested mm -hmm. in. None of those things happen. And, but that doesn't mean that relationships cannot be built with your consumers. And the key to building a good relationship is really understanding the other person, right? Yeah. What, what segmentation can do for you is give you a little head start on your, on your ability to be empathic. And understand their needs and meet their needs and be a brand that differentiates itself 
by by really understanding its consumer and their values and building a product that works for them and is supported through its life. That's how you keep customers. That's how you keep them coming back. That's how you engage. And you know there are companies that do that well in outdoor, and there are, there are companies that are not doing it at all. They're they're basically shooting from the hip, just like your guy who's selling what like like milk duds. What did you say it was? <laughs> I didn't. And I didn't I'm, say. I'm gonna go to the milk duds shop, man. I love milk, yeah. and I and I do love milk duds. But yeah, um, it's 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 sort of one of those things where if if you can look outside of your own perspective, you might find all kinds of new target audiences yeah. and and be able to expand your bottom line and your business. I mean, what I run into the most is are are probably medium sized companies, maybe. And this is, I mean, this is these are small companies. It's we're talking about twenty to fifty employees, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and basically, they're they're selling into markets where people where their their consumer is they think just like them, yeah. And they never address the casual consumer, which is in outdoor. It, in in most segments, I mean, just overall about about 80% of our participants participate outdoor casually. They're not competing. Mm-hmm. They don't want to be an expert. They're not building, you know, they're not, they're shredding trails, but they're not crushing them. I mean, that that's yeah. not that it's, yeah. it's something that they do for enjoyment and for health, but it's, yeah. it's not their life, right? It's not that, that one thing. And I everybody, it, I, I, I've heard it described on the spectrum of like, how central is this activity to your life? And I think those yeah. of us who work in the activity, it is, central to our lives and a lot of our customers it is something they do sometimes for fun with their friends you know like it's a it's yeah. a wide spectrum and there's a lot of customers at that end who like you said might shred a trail but if for whatever reason they move to an area where a particular outdoor work activity wasn't available to them it would not be the end of their life you know like yeah. i i could not imagine living in a place where i couldn't ride my bike or living in a place where i couldn't go snowboard um in fact, worked really hard to get here from Texas so that I could snowboard a bunch. <laughs> nice, nice. Anyway, yeah, I mean, I I, I, I didn't mean to interrupt you. You're on a roll. I was, but so, yeah, that, that spectrum of like the casual consumer. Keep going. So one of the mistakes I, I see fairly often in outdoor too, and this this is this is more than just sort of a mistake, is actually having a certain amount of disdain for the casual consumer. So I was yeah. like, oh, we're, we're only building for the real, for authentic, for core. And, you know, all of a sudden your, your sales dip because you have basically excluded, like say, you, you know, you, you ex- said that, you know, you don't sell the gapers. So it's called like a, a new marketing game. <laughs> we don't sell the game, no selling to gapers. So you basically yeah. just af- offended 80% of your, of your potential audience. But, you know, the, the 20% that were going to buy from you anyway are super impressed. Right. They're super impressed by that. That just take that little tiny analogy, that little tiny metaphor and 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 project it across that door in mm-hmm. varying degrees. Like not there's there there's disdain and then there's just omission. Like we're not even going to yeah, think about yeah. these people. They're going to follow they're going to follow the real athletes and they're going to follow the, you know, the leaders and the influencers. But now the leaders and the influences in the industry are social influencers, right? So a lot of, a lot of them are casual. A lot of, there's a lot of casual hiking going on on TikTok. I can tell you for sure, because I'm on hike TikTok and I see every single one of them. It's pretty amazing to see 
basically how it's it's for them it's about the experience it's not about being seen as a hiker but you go into into any outdoor company in the country and all you find are the you know the super core hard passionate you know this is my life yeah, kind of person yeah. so let me ask you a question you've described the spectrum of centrality to our lives or avidity or or what whatever we want to call it can you help me overlay that onto um the propensity to go into a store versus to make a purchase online? Is it the case that it's only new users who are going online and all of our experienced avid users are going into a store? You're shaking your head and that's, I was, I was baiting you. Go for it. Yeah, no, what we're finding is that the, their behavior is almost exactly the same. And if, if we drilled down into that, if I had a chance to do some really cool experiments, uh, I bet I would find that their their core people, whether or not they they hang out in retail and look in retail for very specialized equipment, has more to do with the relationships they have at their local shop than it does to the the product mix that their shop offers. Yeah. Um, the you know one of the great things about ecom, especially if you're an outdoor enthusiast and you're looking for something specific, is that you can usually find that something specific. Whereas you know a retailer can only carry a certain amount of of stuff. So, yeah. you know, they've they've got to make decisions too. And retailers are in in an interesting bind because, you know, they're they're serving both core and casual. And it's, you know, that relationship is absolutely key. So the people that wander into their shops and start asking questions because they're new at something are probably as as valuable as the people that hang out in their shop just to drink coffee and talk about their latest <laughs> outdoor exploit. Um, I think that there's no difference in how people explore the the market of outdoor yeah. other than the core knows exactly what they want and they will they will find it. They're not any more likely yeah. to buy in brick and mortar retail unless, and it's a big unless, it's an exogenous variable with a close relationship with the shop owner and that, that actually right, brings right. them into the shop. On a regular basis, and frankly, for retailers, that's a that's a competitive advantage that. Oh, without a doubt, I'm not. I, I'm not sure they're exploiting as much as they could be. <laughs> right, because um, my point about segmentation online is that you don't have a chance to have that person walk into your into your brick and mortar mm -hmm. store and get and get to know you and and build a just a naturally organic human relationship um, that you've got to that you've got to think outside the box to build a relationship with that person and get to know them. It, it's not easy, but that is something that's going to be critical in the future in terms of of maintaining your consumer base and engaging your consumers. Because if they will go out and the, they will be able to find um, an alternative to your to your product yeah, online. No and I think that that's key in both areas. That relationship with the consumer is absolutely key to whether or not they're going to buy from you again. Whether they're new, they're old, people with purple polka dots, doesn't matter. That that human <laughs> that 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 relationship is key, and having segmentation, like getting a little bit of a head start on who that consumer is, and and yeah. you know what they're what they're likely to be interested in, even outside of outdoor, you know, how just information yeah. on typically how they how they shop and you know what they what they're thinking and what's you know what issues are important to them is key to that relationship, and even more key to maintaining an online relationship with that customer. Yeah, you said it perfectly. I don't, I don't think I have anything to add. You nailed it. What, I, I, I could only mess it up. <laughs> <laughs> um, you flat, yeah, you're, you're, okay. you're flattering. I'm going to put in my pocket and say it for, you know, later when I'm mad yeah, at myself yeah, or something. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, it's, it all boils down to in the end, doesn't all boil down to that relationship. 
And and yeah. imagine, I mean, imagine having the level of information. I mean, I, I should have done this when I was dating in my 20s. I should have segmented, right? I should have sub-segmented. Oh my God. Oh, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, the idea of, of getting a head start on getting to mm-hmm. know somebody. Yeah. What a, what a powerful thing that is. What a powerful yeah. thing. And and to just to have differentiation in your in your approaches, empathetically understanding how different people approach your product, how different people approach you out, the outdoors, how pr- different people approach riding a bike. Yeah, I'm glad you said empathetically. I, I think we sort of like I, I don't I couldn't find that word earlier, but yeah, humbling yourself to the fact that other customers, other participants have different experiences than you. And in order to to meet them where they are, you'll have to like see beyond yourself. I think you captured it beautifully. Yeah, empathetically. I love it. Yeah. Every time you say things like that, it makes me want to just stop talking, which is a really interesting. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's not good for audio recording, but that's okay. Yeah. Uh, I all right. One more one more metaphor before we go. Yeah. I wonder how many people have had this experience, especially women. I mean, it's just a thing that that I think we've all dealt with. And I worked in a bike shop. I'm just going to preface this with saying that mm-hmm. I managed a bike shop in Hawaii. I actually a triathlon shop in Hawaii. And I and I, you know, so I was really conscious of this at the time. How many of us have walked into a bike shop and like just felt like we weren't good enough to be in there? Oh, yeah. we didn't that I, we didn't know we didn't know enough about cycling we didn't know enough about our bike they're going to shame us for some mistake right yeah it's intimidating i um i'm not a woman i haven't had that experience but from the place of a uh, like a newcomer to a market i think a gun shop is the most one of the most intimidating places on planet earth um everything in there is is like an intimidating tool and so like a lot of the shops that I've been to are staffed by some of the biggest, burliest people on, on the planet with these huge beards and they're wearing a, a sidearm, you know, like it's that is that the experience that we think will meet customers with a, a well, a sense of welcoming and appreciation. And um, I would guess and hope the, the answer is no, but, but yeah, let's, let's go back to, I, I didn't mean to, um, take this in, in my direction, but let's go back to your example of the bike shop. No, I actually liked what you did and how you picked that up because, you know, the idea is to, you know, let's improve upon that experience. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, it was, it's, it's, it is intimidating and we, mm. we are probably, it's really important, you know, I think, and I, and I would guess that, you know, we do this sort of in a, in a less overt way. But we've got to, you know, we're cool. Outdoors cool. And we want people to think it's cool. So, yeah. you know, when you walk into a shop and, you know, it, it's real cyclists and, you know, it's like, oh, my God, you know, that guy. I know that I know that woman. She rides for a local team or, mm-hmm. you know, an outdoor like you did understanding the people that you're buying from are real. You know, they really understand that. That's one thing. But, you know, to feel that that they don't understand you, aren't interested in you, not welcoming you is a complete is completely different. One of the yeah, advantages yeah. of of e-com is that you know those walls can be t- torn down fairly quickly. You can represent your brand as as cool and empathetic and also welcoming to a new consumer, maybe somebody that doesn't know as much. I mean, imagine you want to get into climbing. I mean, how gear intensive mm-hmm. that is. That scares that that scares the crap out of me or skiing. I mean, where humiliation yeah. during while you're learning is guaranteed. 
just guaranteed. Oh yeah, sure. Yeah. Same thing. Same thing with hunting, same thing with just about everything. I mean, it is, it's, and we can use this, this, this segmentation and, and the idea that you can use it to build better relationships, more empathetic relationships with a, with a wider, more diverse base of customers. And that includes diversity in terms of of age or interest or frequency of participation or ethnicity or education or income or, or geographic location yeah. or all those things. When you think about all those things and you, and you really start to, to think about your, your customer, not as somebody that comes to you because you're cool, but as somebody that you have an opportunity to understand and share your love of whatever it is you have passion for, it's probably going to be, it, it may, it, this, if we use it right, could result in, you know, more people are participating with the right gear. Yeah. The, w- with the right gear and having the experience that they want to have too, you know, like getting to the places where they really want to get, having the the great time that they want to have and then maintaining that activity and like sticking with the sport. Yeah. Totally. I think, you know, next time I want, I definitely want to talk about the nexus of, of mental health and physical health and connection to nature. I want to start talking about why people get outdoors. And I want to, I want to just put that on the docket now because it's directly related to segmentation. Yeah. So I love it. I'll, I'll bring data. I got some data from PFP. I'm sure you've got some on your side. I got that's going to be a data war. Our next podcast, <laughs> data war. Sunday, data Sunday, Sunday. Patrick and Kelly. Monday, Kelly. Rumble. Yeah. Well, maybe yeah. we, maybe, maybe record on Sunday. Special release. Say? Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Inside the Outdoors, presented by People for Bikes and the Outdoor Industry Association. We'll see you next time.